big star out of me. Make a film about a man who's sad and lonely. And all I gotta do is act naturally. Well, I'll bet you I'm gonna be a big star. Might win an Oscar, you can never tell. The movie's gonna make me a big star. Welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Mann II. Uh, to my right, uh, the Critics' Choice Scholar, Mr. Christian Jessup. Christian Jessup. Hello, hello. Uh, th this show is going to spotlight Christian's work and how he used other people's work to create his own original work. Yeah, a little sounds like it's fine. Wait a minute, that no. sounds like plagiarism <laughs> to me. <laughs> a little, little sneak preview there. That's a tease. That's a tease in the world of film. Over there uh, behind uh, camera one, beside camera one, that's um, Melvin Drysdale, or is that? Milburn, actually. Milburn, yeah. Milburn. Yeah. Oh, you're right, Milburn. Strike it, one for today. Or is it Jane Hathaway? Which, is it Jane I, Hathaway? Uh, when it's humid, I have a Jane Hathaway hairstyle. Yeah, you but, know. Uh, but my personality skews more toward Milburn Drysdale. But you're, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 87% of the time, I don't get the references you guys are saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just that's being the, honest. That's the, are you a millennial? I, I don't, I mean, I'm Where 96. So Gen Z, Gen X, yeah, Gen Y. I don't know what Gen that's considered. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think basically what he's saying is we're old and he isn't. Yeah, that, that's Beverly Hills Hillbillies. Oh, well, Hills see, I watched that show a yeah. little bit, yeah. yeah. You know who the banker yeah, the is, banker, right? Mr. Okay, Drysdale? Yeah, okay. And Miss Hathaway. His assistant. Okay, that's it's been it. a while, yeah. yeah. And the reason I brought that up is because it had a great soundtrack. It had... Yeah. Uh, you know, the sad thing is I remember when those shows were new. You wow. don't even remember that. I don't event. remember that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I you're, shouldn't have brought you're that You're classic, out. dude. You're like classic TV. Classic is another name for you're old, classic. Too, right? You're classic. Tim, how are you back there, buddy? Go to the Tim Cam. Look at him. He's happy. Look, oh, he, yes, I know you were a big fan of Beverly Hillbillies. Gilligan's Island, you like that, too. Yeah, uh-huh. I think what he else? was basically a fan oh. of Ellie May. Ellie May. Yeah. yeah, he liked Ellie May. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you know that Ellie May had a love scene with Elvis Presley at one time? Did you yes. know that, Tim? You did. You they, did. No. Yeah. yeah. They dated, right? They, they dated. Date yeah. Wow. She would not talk about that. I interviewed her several years ago. Did you? Of course, she was alive. Well, but hopefully, yeah. it would have been a more interesting yeah. interview. Um, she came to Gardner Webb, and I interviewed her. <laughs> I interviewed. It wasn't a séance. No, <laughs> this was when she was living. I interviewed her, and we were talking, and that was one of the things she would not talk about. Really? Was the relationship with Elvis Presley? She mm. just. Ellie never told me. Donna, Donna Doug Douglas. Donna Douglas. Yeah. yeah, Donna Douglas. Yeah. Well, welcome to uh, Meet Me in the Movies. Uh, this is a place where we talk about all sorts of things that don't relate to films. And uh, when we get a chance, we actually throw some film-related things in the show. And today, we're going to spend uh, the, big, the big part of the show, uh, pretty much all of the show, talking to Christian Jessup. He's going to be our guest. Uh, this guy, um, many of you may or may not know, but he is a composer. That's You've right. been writing your own work uh, your own music for years. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about that, uh, but you've recently really, uh, the past few years, gotten uh, extremely interested in, in film composing and creating your own work uh, based on some, uh, some other folks at times, but also just your own stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, you're the musician in this group other than me. I, I, I play I, he music. He probably outranks me. I haven't scored a film yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you, but you play. I can't you, even score a miniature golf. Yes. Yeah, but you do play music. You're in a band. We yeah. talked about that recently. And you've been, you've been um, a guitarist and a songwriter since, what, your teen years? Uh, uh, yeah, I guess yeah. they're early teens. Yeah. 
So you're going to have some really strong questions, and we're going to go to you for the most pressure's part. Pressure's on, right? <laughs> really. The pressure well, look is at on. the time. I have to go. <laughs> I have to be at Denny's. But uh, Denny's, yeah, or Waffle House for you, right? Waffle House, yeah. that's true. So, so tell me about um, your love of music and how you got involved. I know you have family, uh, family members that are involved in music as well. Yeah, so um, both of my parents are really into music. Um, they now co-lead worship at a local church. And so I always grew up around music, and they're also huge Disney fans. So Disney soundtracks are some of like the earliest memories I have. Um, and not just Disney, just basically any film soundtrack with singing, especially animated though. So like The Lion King, Pocahontas, um, even The Prince of Egypt, if you remember that yeah. one from the yeah. late 90s. Yeah. And so I really grew up listening to that kind of stuff. And then come the mid-2000s, about the time Revenge of the Sith came out, because everything was Star Wars when Revenge of the Sith came out, I was like, you know, what is Star Wars? My parents were never Star Wars fans. God. Yeah, I know, right? It, 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 they don't, like, hate it, but it's just something that, like, they, they never necessarily, like, loved. And so I got into Star Wars. I bought the Lego Star Wars games. I started buying the soundtracks, and that's really the first time I remember. You should be some of my broadcasting students <laughs> oh. if you want to see Star Wars fans. Oh, yeah. Well, see, uh, now I'm that hardcore Star Hold Wars that fan. thought, but uh, your favorite uh, Disney score? Favorite Disney score is probably The Lion King. Oh, wrong wrong answer. But okay, go ahead. Oh, wow. I've already, I'm already failing Greg's test. Well, what, what is yours, Greg? Beauty and the Beast. Mm. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's got yeah. some pretty stuff in it. Anyway. I also like Pocahontas. But anyways. Really? Um, yeah. Kind of forgotten one, actually. Don't yeah. You yeah. Think? yeah. I'll have to send you a few tracks. That I really like Pocahontas. Anyways. Yeah, Tom Sawyer for me uh, with uh, Johnny Whitaker. That was my what? favorite. Old the same guy from Sigmund, Sigmund and the Sigmund. That's right. Yeah, and that's, Family Affair. That's exactly right. Joe School. Yep. Sorry, go ahead. Thank you. This is your show. Another so reference far he doesn't have a clue what we're talking about. <laughs> So I bought a bunch of Star Wars soundtracks, introduced to John Williams, and that was really the first big exposure yeah. to film scoring for me, and I just fell in love with it. Um, I went back to some of those old Disney soundtracks that I'd listened to as a kid, but instead of skipping the instrumental tracks like I used to so yeah. that I could get to be our guest, um, I started listening to the instrumental tracks in those and realized how, how powerful those were and how it even used some of the song melodies right. in the instrumental score. And that's when I slowly kind of introduced was introduced to a guy by the name of Hans Zimmer as well because I realized that a lot of these older scores that I listened to such as Lion King, uh, The Prince of Egypt, and then a little later on Pirates of the Caribbean, all these scores I'd listened to without paying attention to who the composer was wow. all had a common trend of being by Hans Zimmer. And so I really started keeping up with him, The Dark Knight, Inception, and I've really followed him ever since I kind of discovered him. But um, then I got into high school and my orchestra orchestra director, Peter Strickland, yeah. he had graduated from Garden Web with a music composition mm -hmm. degree and he was really big into film music. And so he really pushed me in that direction when I told him it was what I was interested in and he kind of helped set me on that path. He let me borrow um, copies of like sheet music from film scores so I could go home, put in the CD and like follow along, see what the instruments were wow. doing in each scene. Wow. Um, really instrumental in setting me on that path. And then I went to Gardner Web where I'm graduating in less than a week and uh, yeah. went through Gardner Webb in one week. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. Snap. Well, you had a summer research project mm -hmm. where um, you you did nothing but you re well you did nothing. You did a lot. <laughs> you rewrote the entire score for the first Star Wars film. Yeah. And uh, was that the first time you had you had done something to to that magnitude? Oh yeah. yeah. First time I'd done something of that scale. Um, and it really brought back that love of Star Wars and that love of music that I'd had since I was a kid. So 
I was watching the Star Wars soundtracks, and like I've watched it and listened to it for years, and I started like noticing inconsistencies because I was really looking at it for thematic use. <laughs> and I started noticing these themes that were being used in wrong places. Um, like Princess Leia's theme plays when Obi-Wan dies in the first one. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> what? You just messed up my coming Obi-Wan weekend. Obi-Wan dies. Yeah, yeah, what? sorry. Sorry, I hope that didn't ruin anything for yeah. you. But lots of misplaced themes, and I started reading interviews with John Williams where he was like, you know, George Lucas didn't even tell me what was going on. We just thought this was a one-and-done deal. I was just writing a cool score for the movie, <laughs> and he did. Yeah. But I kind of set out that summer to say, you know, what if he'd gone into it knowing that, hey, Vader is Luke's father. Hey, Obi-Wan, or not Obi-Wan, Leia and Luke are brother and sister, not romantic. Right. Um, what if he'd gone into it with all the pieces together already? Yeah. And so I wrote my own themes, um, wrote my own score, fully orchestrated, complete orchestra. I think it was like 67-piece orchestra. Um, and all two hours straight through, I wrote a score for it. Yeah. And, and once that was finished, you really got this taste for, yeah, this is something that I would like to do oh, for yeah. the rest of my life. Yeah, because up until then, like you said, it was the first thing of that scale that I'd done. Up until then, it had always been little bits and pieces where I might like find a 30-second film bit that didn't have music and write a little something underneath yeah. or do a car commercial that didn't have music to it. Um, but that was really the first time that I'd gone in-depth and done it, and it was stressful as, as heck, but yeah. um, I loved every second yeah. of it. Well, I wrote my, all my own themes for this one, so that oh, was okay. the big difference. Like, okay, I didn't so use any of his original stuff. Out. But, like, my theme for Vader, I used, even, um, I introduced sneaky little elements of my theme for Vader whenever Obi-Wan first meets Luke and is talking to Luke. You know, I knew your father back in the day. And I put Vader's theme, which I had in minor, in major, to where you wouldn't recognize it as a viewer watching right off the bat. But then maybe once you'd watched the whole series, if you went back and listened, you're like, oh my gosh, that's Vader's theme right there. So I tried to do things like that where it wouldn't spoil the surprise later down so, the road. So, so Vader's theme is kind of in a major key then. Yeah. Which makes it a little perky, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's a better guy in this one. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, okay. But yeah, I tried to hint at different things. There's a few conversations when Han and Leia are talking where I introduced their romantic theme when that really didn't get introduced until the later films. So a few elements like that. Yeah. Right. And, and then last summer, mm -hmm. we got a chance to intern with Hans Zimmer yeah. uh, with his uh, remote control productions. Mm -hmm. uh, talk a little bit about that experience and how that kind of set you up for what we're going to talk about after the break. Yeah, so that was surreal because, like I said, John Williams and Hans Zimmer were really like my two big influences as a kid. And so in 2016, I'd spent the summer studying John Williams in depth and looking at everything he'd done. And then in 2017, to get the opportunity to go out to California and intern at his studio was incredible. Um, and it just as much as the 2016 project did in 2017, seeing how film studios work in the modern age and how modern film scoring works was really insightful and an incredible experience. Um, really got to see the technological side of things. They are so advanced as far as the technologies they use there. They uh, use a practice called instrument sampling, which is where they'll take an instrument into a room, let's say a cello, and say, play your lowest note at the smallest volume possible. And they'll have them play that six, eight times. And then they'll say, all right, now play it a little bit louder than that. And they'll go all the way to the loudest, and they'll say, all right, now play your second to lowest note. And they'll start over from scratch all the way up to the highest note. But what they do is they've recorded all that, they put it into their computer, and then he has the opportunity to play on a keyboard that cello, and he can choose the cello's dynamics, notes, articulations. Um, so really up to date, if you've listened to the first Pirates of the Caribbean score, that's all computerized. You wow. aren't hearing real instruments wow. there. So he uses that as reference points for the score, or that is the score? 
it, it, either or. I guess um, what I'm getting at is that the the extent of the uh, use of actual musicians? It, it depends, um, because like I said, sometimes Pirates of the Caribbean, Angels and Demons, mm -hmm. uh, the Ron Howard score, um, Amazing Spider-Man too. Uh, I'm trying to think of scores. I can't think of some off the top of my bat, but some of those, like that's the extent of the score. Like the final product is that computerized wow. score, okay. which has wow. really made composing a lot cheaper. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're to the turning, detriment of musicians. They're I turning guess. a lot yeah. better profit off of those scores. Um, yeah. But also sometimes it is a reference point because directors now aren't content with you saying like, I have a good idea for this, let's go record it with an orchestra and then you can hear it too. Mm -hmm. um, directors want to hear what your final product will be and now he can take it to them and they know exactly what it will sound like before the orchestras record it, just with a little, a little more computerized, a little less right. emotion. Right. Um, and that's a very dangerous practice. It's one mm -hmm. that I, I've talked to you before. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. still very on the fence about because it's very cool. I, I've used instrument sampling and I mean it allows me to be able to create scores and projects like I've done and, and get a realistic sound out of it but at the same time I don't love the idea of replacing musicians and um, you know you know it, it's all computerized now and it takes a little bit of the heart out of it sometimes. And, and it goes back I mean you think the 80s mm -hmm. when when the synthesizers the, you know the keyboards I mean yeah. the, the digital keyboards Right. That was the instrument of the 80s, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of films went that route where mm -hmm. you would have the Listen sound. about any soundtrack from the 80s, horror oh, yeah. through comedy, yeah. and it's all synthesized. Yeah, and, and they, they tried to duplicate and sample uh, every sound that was out there and mm -hmm. try to recreate it. Now, technology has advanced tremendously oh, yeah. because that pirate score, you know, if I didn't know, I would have no idea that wasn't an orchestra creating it. Yeah. Uh, because it sounded so, so, so great, but... You know, back in back in the '80s, you knew it was. Oh, yeah. the, you knew it was a, mm -hmm. Watch the Terminator. And Absolutely, <laughs> the Terminator. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back uh, to talk more about uh, Hans Zimmer and uh, Christian Jessup's work on uh, the Empire Strikes Back and uh, and that kind of that process. And you'll actually get a chance to see some of those and hear some of those as well. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make a big star out of me. Welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. I am Noel T. Man of the Second, and even Mr. Tillman's head is bobbing over there. Look at that. Yeah, see, that's it's good. It's Monday. twitching. Monday's always a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not happy on Mondays? <laughs> that's right. Happy Monday. Uh, and if you're watching this on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, I hope uh, those days are happy for you as well. Christian Jessup, uh, to my right, uh, we are celebrating his music. As, like he, as he celebrates the <laughs> it's a music. lifetime achievement award. <laughs> That's right. Oh gosh. That's right. Um, Don't which, like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, your life is over. Uh, but uh, hey, it was it was a good one. Uh, and good as you wrap lasted. up your life, um, you were celebrating your music, but as you celebrate the music of Hans Zimmer. Uh, Hans Zimmer. Um, we were talking about the '80s and music of the '80s. Uh, he was in. Uh, he was in a. The first video ever shown on MTV. Do you know what the video was? Uh, a video killed the radio. Yes, star by the Buggles. The Buggles. He was the keyboard. Really? Keyboardist for the yeah, Buggles. Okay. The Buggles. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he's been he's been around um, the the pop music industry mm -hmm. for a long time. So as you as you were looking at uh, before the break, we were talking about Zimmer, talking about John Williams, talking about your love of of, of music and film music, and talked about doing uh, Star Wars, rewriting that. This past semester, you decided to take on the last 25 minutes or so of The Empire Strikes Back and rewrite um, all of the music there, but do it in uh, the style of Hans Zimmer. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about what that style is and, and uh, the approach you had to take and, and why you wanted to go that route. 
Yeah, so like you said, Hans Zimmer really came from more of a pop background than a traditional film music. Kind of like Danny Elfman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this was that same time period where you really saw the crossover between people like Zimmer and Elfman probably right. being the most successful going into film music. And you can really see kind of uh, his like fingerprints across the scores from being in those pop bands. Um, I think one big thing you can tell is his what I call a hybrid orchestra which is he loves to combine synthesized instruments with orchestral instruments. Um, a lot of times you'll hear that in Inception. The Dark Knight trilogy is probably the best example yeah. of that because you'll hear the strings, but then you'll hear like that big like pulsing synthesizer underneath yeah. that. Um, and I definitely think that that comes from his influence in the pop industry. You also see a lot of four chord progressions in his scores. The end of Inception, once again, Interstellar has a lot of those. The Lone Ranger, 12 Years a Slave. A lot of his uh, later scores uh, coming up to the present have these four chord progressions, which are definitely pop influenced because, you know, that's, that's how you make a pop song is make four chords and then repeat them over and over again. <laughs> and he's, he's, uh, I know that you Okay, it's a little more complicated. <laughs> but I, all right. Uh, I know that I was maybe boxing in pop music, but he, he very much has found ways to get catchy three, four, five chord progressions. Yeah. and bottle them up and then repeat them over and over, build them up almost like you would to go from a verse to a chorus and you know really build emotion through that. And then the other Zimmer trademark that I really highlighted that you can see on a lot of his latest score, I call the loud burst of sound. Um, Inception, you heard him like the big horns. And so those were really the, the ones that I focused on and that I implemented the most. And so uh, as you took on The Empire Strikes Back, you wanted to look at, uh, also look at uh, other work it. he had done mm -hmm. um, and model some original work after that. I did the same thing here because since I'm trying to imitate Zimmer's style for this score, I wanted to do it. So for example, there's one scene where Leia and Chewie and Lando are escaping uh, Cloud City and trying to get on the Falcon and I temp-tracked Mombasa from Inception, and that's the scene in Inception where Leonardo DiCaprio's character is running away from authorities trying to escape through the city. And so it was a very similar sequence, and I was like, well, you know what, if I was directing Empire Strikes Back and already knew about that score, then I would probably insert that and tell Hans Zimmer, why don't you like, write something like that? Um, another one I did was Seawall from Blade Runner 2049. It's a really recent film that Zimmer scored. And at the end of that one, the seawall sequence, there's two characters just fighting one-on-one, -on -one, very isolated, but very intense. And so I use that to make up the scenes where Luke and Vader have their lightsaber fight. Well, let's take a look at just a couple of those scenes right now. Christian Jessup's take on The Empire Strikes Back using the styles of Hans Zimmer. <laughs>
So there were a couple of clips there from uh, your version of The Empire Strikes Back using Hans Zimmer's approach. Mm -hmm. Did I get that right? You did. And if you also noticed, this one I did not compose original themes. So I used Hans Zimmer's approach and John Williams' themes from the original film. So it's very much plagiarized, if you'd like to call it that. I Hello. Question. Hello I over there. So what's the end game? Is Zimmer going to sue you? <laughs> Hope not. I'm not planning on selling these. So. This, if you or Lucas. go to my website, you can buy one for only... <laughs> well, no. um, one of the other things I want to talk about is you were talking about John Williams and his mm -hmm. style is very classical. Um, and his approach is, is that way. But then you look at Zimmer, he went in, a, in, a, in a, a different direction. So do you have a preference or do you think one has more uh, validity over the other? Or do you think that one's going to be um, considered more... Um, you know, years down the road, they're going to look back and say, oh, that was just during that Zimmer age. <laughs> or are they, going to, are they all going to be um, solid years down the road? I mean, you know, what's, that's something... What's, what's the future, I guess? Yeah, is yeah, and, you know, that's definitely always an easy question to ask. What's the future <laughs> going to be? Um, and that's definitely something that I've wondered a lot about. And when I looked at the score I wrote and at Zimmer scores as a whole, I won't say as a whole, but the strength and weakness of my score that I wrote based on his style is in its functionality. Um, the intensity's heightened, there's a lot more emotion, I think, drama, mystery, like the, the new score with Zimmer's style is very functional and it fits the per picture perfectly. Um, but I said it loses some of the memorable nature okay. that you get with John Williams' yeah. score. Um, yeah. If you listen to my score in full, I'm very proud of it. It's a, a great score in my opinion. But um, <laughs> there's not going to be one theme or section that you can just like leave and be humming as you exit the theaters. And that's definitely a modern film music trend. Right. Um, and I'm not going to say that's a bad thing because functional scores, I mean, Dunkirk is one of my recent favorite film scores and I certainly can't hum anything from Dunkirk. Um, but it, it's very functional, but it loses its memorable quality. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's better or worse, but I don't but it's, know it's, if it leaves the lasting impact that right. Star Wars has. Well, you know, what we've seen happen in recent, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm sure I will be, but <laughs> I think what we've seen in recent years is uh, film scores and sound design have become one mm -hmm. and merged. Very and, much and, blended together, yeah. Yeah, and, and we definitely have seen that with Zimmer, but, mm -hmm. but you're talking about hummable, but, but hummable, Themes. Say that so, again. I don't think I can. Say it three times fast. <laughs> but I do think that Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. is, is a hummable thing. It is. So he can We do haven't that. lost that altogether. He right. can do that. And that's always a director's choice as well, you know. Right. And so that we could throw off the blame on modern directors and say, well, maybe they're asking for things that they shouldn't be asking for. Who knows? Yeah, well, I, I, could, I could spend <laughs> the rest of the day talking to you about this. What, what final question do you have for Christian uh, before we wrap up? What do you think makes a good score? Oh. Wow. <laughs> Didn't mean to shut you <laughs> down the over crickets. there. Well, the crickets. We can just wrap it up right now. I <laughs> yeah, guess. Just, right. just cut there. Um, well, I'll, I'll kind of contradict myself and say uh, I think a good score should first and foremost be functional. And I know that I just complained about how modern scores aren't, aren't yeah. memorable and aren't yeah. hummable, but I think that the function of a score isn't to work alone in solitude. I think that its function is to work and tell the story. Yeah. Emotionally? And emotionally, yeah. If it tells the story alongside the movie, then I think it does its job. And sometimes that story means there's a great hummable melody like Star Wars. Sometimes that story is like Dunkirk and means right. we have clock ticks and airplane noises. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely think that the functionality of the score within the film is of utmost importance and what makes it work best. Okay, what final thoughts do you have uh, or, or things that maybe I didn't get a chance to ask you that you wanted to make sure you shared with, with the audience? Um, I mean, all of these projects we got to talk about have been incredibly beneficial to my 
future career. Yeah. Um, it helps just to be able to practice this over and over again and to try completely different methods from 2016 when I tried to compose Star Wars just in that same John Williams style but with my yeah. own themes all the way up to this year composing it in Hans Zimmer style very non-traditional methods and new techniques. Yeah. How do you and compose? Uh, I mean what what's instrument? Are you using piano, keyboards, uh, anything, everything? I mean I prefer just to think it in my head. That, okay. That's the one that How I think sticks the most. And then when I get it out of my head um, I have two softwares that I alternate between. There's Finale which is a sheet music software. It looks very yeah. traditional if you've ever written sheet music or seen sheet music, played yeah. sheet music. And then there's a newer software called Logic Pro X. Mm -hmm. And that one's very much mm -hmm. more performance-based. That's what I used for this newest score um, that was Zimmer-based. And it's two different approaches. John Williams, now John Williams uses sheet and paper. He won't even use a computer. But John Williams is much more the sheet music side. Hans Zimmer is very much more the logic side. And on that one, you sit down with a keyboard, play it in, and then it appears on the, on the screen. And so it was nice that I got to use both methods. I've used the John Williams one, and I've used the Zimmer one as well. Yeah, and you were able to bring in your video clips directly into that program yeah. and, and queue up and you sync You can watch everything. it along with, as you play, you're watching the movie with it so that it's lining up precisely. So you're just multi-tracking. You're yeah. laying down yeah. one and then go back and loop another one. Yeah, okay. that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, it was, it was fascinating to see the, the final uh, product, and I'm glad that you guys have had a chance to see a little bit of this. If people wanted to know more about you and about your work outside of Meet Me at the Movies and <laughs> your composing, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, so you can follow me on Facebook. I've got a lot of stuff there, Christian Jessup. And also I have a website, christianjessup.weebly.com. And both of those I update regularly, try to get on there daily and post something new. And you can listen to all kinds of music clips, YouTube videos, all kinds of stuff to follow me. Now, when you say post something new, original? Yeah. Wow. When that's, and that's what they say about a good writer, is, is somebody that writes every single day about something. So you're doing the same concept with music. I try to. Wow. Not saying it's all good, but I try yeah. to wow. <laughs> at least do something. Uh, years ago when I lived in Nashville and was writing, one of the f best pieces of advice I ever got was uh, uh, more of a statement, really, that no one writes anything. No one ever writes anything. They mm. rewrite it. Yeah. Do you find that to be true, too? I definitely find that to be true. Yeah. yeah. Well, Christian, this has been awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing uh, your work, and I've, I've enjoyed uh, kind of following your journey. I've known you since you were born. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's been, uh, been great to have you uh, on this show, and uh, even though the semester's winding down, you're still going to be around, and so hopefully we'll continue to have he you is. back. Yeah. Well, I mean, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and for those of you out there watching, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, you can email us at info at c19.tv if you did or didn't. And if you didn't, um, we're sorry. Uh, we'll do better next time. <laughs> maybe. Maybe no promises. Uh, you can listen to us uh, online at wgwg.org in the podcast. And uh, they can, what's the best place for them to find if they want to find the archive of this video? Just c19.tv, correct? Right. Awesome. Well, Greg Tillman over there, Christian Jessup here, and back behind uh, the camera in Mission Control, that is Tim Foster. We do appreciate him as always. And I'll leave you with a movie quote. This comes from Inception. So hey. this is uh, perfectly fitting. This comes from Cobb. An idea is like a virus, resilient, highly contagious, and even the smallest seed of an idea can grow. It can grow to define you or destroy you. Till next time, I'm Old Team Man in a Second for Meet Me at the Movies, and that is a wrap.